Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, April 15th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Donald Trump freezes U.S. funding for the World Health Organization. The U.S. Treasury reaches a deal to prop up the airlines, and two leading U.S. banks brace for a sharp rise in credit losses. Plus, the FT's economics editor, Chris Giles, will unpack the IMF's grim global economic outlook. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Yesterday, President Donald Trump accused the World Health Organization of, quote, severely mismanaging the coronavirus outbreak. He said he's halting U.S. funding to the organization to review the WHO's role in, quote, covering up the spread of the coronavirus. The reality is that the WHO failed to adequately obtain, vet, and share information in a timely and transparent fashion. That was the president at yesterday's White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing. Democrats slammed Mr. Trump's decision to freeze funding. They accused the president of playing political games to distract from his own handling of COVID-19. The U.S. is the largest single contributor to the WHO, giving the body approximately $500 million each year. $116 million of that is mandated by the United Nations, and around another $400 million is in voluntary payments. One of the industries hardest hit by the ripple effect of the coronavirus outbreak is one step closer to a bailout from the U.S. government. Leading airlines are facing a dangerous cash crunch now that travel has come to a halt. And carriers were already allocated $25 billion as part of the $2 trillion stimulus legislation put in place last month. Yesterday, the U.S. Treasury Department announced that it struck a deal with U.S. airlines on how these funds would be deployed. It'll come in the form of grants, loans, and warrants to cover payroll expenses. Now, the aid packages come with a few stipulations. Airlines can't furlough or cut employee pay until the end of September. There's a ban on share repurchases and dividends until September of next year. And there's a limit on executive compensation until March of 2022. The deal could see the government become a shareholder in several of the publicly traded airlines. Yesterday, J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo kicked off the first earnings season since the coronavirus hit Wall Street. And earnings did not look good for the banks in the first quarter of 2020. But as the FT's U.S. finance editor, Rob Armstrong, points out, the fall in earnings can be chalked up to the rise in credit provisions at both banks. The two banks reserved or set aside $10 billion for credit losses, which is an extraordinarily high number for a single quarter. But the actual credit losses the banks experienced, as opposed to the projected credit losses that lead to those reserves, weren't that bad. There weren't huge write-downs in credit card portfolios, for example, or auto loans or mortgages. So the key proviso here is that the people who run J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo don't have crystal balls that tell them how long the coronavirus shutdown is going to last. Yes, they have slightly better data than most people do about consumer spending or corporate borrowing, but they don't know better than you or I. Are we going to be back to business than usual in six weeks, three months, six months, or a year? And so I think these reserve increases, while they're prudent, reflect more caution than knowledge. These are banks saying, we're putting money aside out of abundance of safety. We don't know what's going to happen, but we darn well better be ready. 
So, Rob, the CARES Act, the stimulus from the U.S. government, was signed at the end of March, and it lets people who lost their job due to the effects of COVID-19, the lockdowns, request forbearance on their mortgages. How much of an impact did missed mortgage payments have on J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo in the first quarter? It's starting to happen at scale. J.P. Morgan said that about 4% of its mortgage portfolio, the portfolio where it handles the payments, or as they say in the industry, where it's the mortgage servicer, about 4% of those payments, borrowers had requested forbearance. Wells Fargo didn't put it in percentage terms, but they said between auto and mortgage, they saw a million payments go into, as it were, forbearance mode, total payments worth principal of interest of some $3 billion. So both banks indicated that they expect to see much higher levels of this in the future. This is just the beginning, but it's already happening with April payments for some borrowers. Rob, there's been a lot of talk about how companies are drawing down their credit lines with banks. What did J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo have to say about that? Well, there there was a great deal of excitement about this early on in the crisis a few weeks ago. Most companies have lines they can draw on at banks. And just like you and I, Mark, have been hoarding toilet paper, companies immediately went to hoard cash. And whether <laughs> they needed money or not, they just drew their credit lines down because they could. So what we heard on the calls yesterday that I think constitutes reassuring news is that this early kind of cash hoarding activity by banks' corporate customers has slowed down. Wells Fargo, for example, said that in it slowed down very much as March turned into April, and in the last week or so, drawdown activity on credit lines has been almost nothing. So what that tells you is, for the time being, companies seem to be saying, we have enough cash for now, and we don't have to desperately scramble around for more. And that's the kind of message we want to be hearing. And a new report that crystallizes the extent of the economic fallout of the coronavirus outbreak. According to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the world is facing its worst economic contraction since the Great Depression, with output losses that will dwarf the global financial crisis 12 years ago. The fund released its latest World Economic Outlook yesterday. Our economics editor, Chris Giles, has more. Some countries are going to have a deeper contraction than others. Pretty much all countries, once they've recovered from the worst of the recessions they're about to go through, will still be significantly worse off than they expected they would be as recently as a month ago or six weeks ago. So this is a real remarkable turnaround to say that you lose 5% of what you expected to have. So we're talking a very large impact uh, in a very, very short space of time. And although everyone thinks once the lockdowns are lifted and people can get on more or less with their normal lives, things won't go back to normal quickly. And at the end of 2021, the International Monetary Fund is saying you'll still be 5% below where we thought you would be. Now, the IMF said the actions by central banks to keep financial markets functioning smoothly will go a long way toward ensuring the global economy regains its footing. But in a separate report, the IMF warned that there was a risk that these actions could expose financial vulnerabilities. What does this mean? Well, it means that there is definitively the risk, and I don't think we should put it any higher than this, that somewhere in the financial sector, losses could 
rise to an extent that there is then a spread of the sort of second round effects through the financial sector and back into the real economy. Now, this would happen if essentially bankruptcies rose to a huge level, particularly in the non-financial sector where corporate debt is very high and higher than it was in 2008, 2009. It could be the case that the financial system could amplify any other downturn and then turn it in from being a pandemic-induced contraction to a financial crisis from which it would be much, much harder to recover. So this is the sort of the nightmare scenario. And what the IMF is saying in their second report, which is the Global Financial Stability Report, which looks at risks and financial risks, is there is no guarantee that we can avoid that rather nasty scenario. They're not predicting it, but they're just saying, you know, it's it's there and we need to make sure that as far as possible, it doesn't happen. Now today, the head of the IMF, Kristalina Georgieva, will hold a press conference about what this means for public finances. Chris, what can we expect out of that? Well, if we've seen the global growth numbers fall much more than in the financial crisis and minus 6% output numbers for GDP in many advanced economies. Plus, we've seen huge fiscal stimulus in pretty much everywhere in terms of job retention schemes or big unemployment insurance in the US, short-time working in Germany. These sorts of schemes are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. So while we were looking at deficits ranging between a sort of standard European deficit of around 2%, and maybe the US was looking about six months ago at about 5 or 6% deficits, we're going to be at the sort of 10% or even 15% level. So we're going to be worse than the financial crisis, or at least as bad as the financial crisis, I would have thought. And that's probably a minimum of what's going to happen, and that'll be the IMF's forecast, I would have thought, later today. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.